Hallelujah. He's never failed me yet. Amen. He's never failed me yet. Certainly good to be in the house of the Lord today. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us today. I want to say there is one thing I would like to say, and that is I'd like to thank um, Brother Britt for, um, he did a fantastic job on washing all our tablecloths and our chair covers after our Christmas banquet, and so uh, you may not know it took probably, probably took him five days just to get them all washed with as many as he had to do. But if you just bear with me for just a few minutes, let's turn to uh, John 3. Let me give it to you this way. 3 John. Starting at chapter 2, or starting at uh, verse 2. The third epistle of John. There you go. The Bible says this. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, being you, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. I don't know if this is a preaching message or a preaching message, but let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercies. I thank you for the presence of God. I thank you for our worship team, God, that has brought your spirit into this house, oh God. I pray for the anointing on my head, O oh God, that to minister to your people. However you want me to minister, O oh God, I pray that it hold true, God, that it will stand fast, and God, that it will be a word for the day. In Jesus' name, I pray a blessing on every ear that's in this sanctuary today to hear what thus saith the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I'd like to title it, Hold On to God's Word. And in this message, we will hopefully either learn or hold on to what it means to hold on to the truth of God's Word and that the truth would become part of us and in our lives and in order for us to continue to walk in truth. Amen. We are not just, uh, we are not to just know the truth. We are to live the truth. Amen. There is a difference in the, theologians might know the truth, but are they personally living it? There are children of God today that know it, but are they living it? Amen. There can be religious people with a lot of book knowledge in the brain, but is the truth in their heart? The Amplified verse, Version says it like this, Beloved, beloved, I pray in every way, you, you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. For I was greatly pleased when some of the brothers came from, the t- from time to time and testified to your faithfulness to the truth of the gospel message that is 
how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in truth. Pray that I can get, bring this message to you some way, somehow. John didn't say, I rejoiced when they told me you knew the truth. He said, I rejoiced greatly when I heard that the truth is in you, just as you walk in truth. It is not enough to know the truth. We are to live it. Amen. When we speak healing, uh, I want you to remember uh, Sister Vanessa uh, Gomez Contreras as uh, her maiden name, but let's remember her today. Uh, she is filling out her paperwork to have her citizenship uh, uh, approved, and so we're asking God to move in her behalf in Jesus' name. But, but too many people are bound up. When we begin to pray over the application, I want you to understand that there is no difference in my faith and your faith. If we operate and walk in the Holy Ghost, we should all be, uh, we should have enough mustard seed faith that when we say in the name of Jesus that God is going to move and intervene in that situation. The Word of God said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. And in His Word, I must stand on His Word. His Word is true. His Word is, is powerful. It is all, he, he is all-knowing. He's all-seeing. And I must walk in His Word. Somewhere in life's journey, they latched on to something that wasn't true about them or about life or about God or even about the church and they began to live out those lies. Amen. That's what happens when you see people leaving the church or, or disappearing from the church and you want to know what's going on. There's somewhere, somewhere along the line, uh, along the way, their eyes got a little bit off the Word of God. They were not in fellowship with the Word of God and in the Holy Ghost. And so we must stay focused in these days that we're living in, these last days that we're living in. It is perilous times. I mean, some of you may not see it or realize it, but we're in some serious times. Without truth, there is no light, and so they can never get a clear picture of where their life is until truth comes. I need truth. I need truth. Truth is what sets us free. That is why it is so vitally important to get a hold of God's Word, because it's truth. Amen. I, I told you earlier this morning in our lesson, people are changing the Word of God. They're making it fit them. They're taking out what it really means. And if, it, if God's Word says it's wrong, it's wrong. If God's say, Word says it's right, then it's right. If God's Word says I need Him, then I need Him. I can't do this walk without Him. Amen. In John 16, 13, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, but whatsoever he, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The only way that I can know what's going to happen and know what's going to come and know truth is to fellowship with him, to read the word of God and believe in the word of God. I need the word of God. That's why these churches that are 
trying to disassemble and shut down the doors and get rid of the buildings and go to online-only services. Uh, that, that, uh, what's, how do you disciple someone that you don't see? You can't disciple someone. Not, not only that, it goes against God's word. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves. And so now we're taking and going, you know what, we're going to do what's best for us. We don't have a lot of people showing up to church now, so, you know, since not a lot of ties coming in, we'll just change it and, and we'll get rid of the, the staff that we pay. We'll get rid of the electricity bills that we pay, the property bill, you know, that we pay, and, and we'll just go online and you just keep your cards and letters coming. Well, it goes against the word of God. Here's what I believe. This is what I believe. I, I believe the church had better be ready. You had better sharpen your sword, get to know the word, because there's going to be some folks that need to be taught some Bible studies. Because they're going to come from all these large mega churches from all around, wanting to be in a place that have their doors open, that want to know about the word of God. And we're going to preach truth. We're going to preach baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and, and a walk with God, a relationship with God, and they're going to be totally blown away with that because that's not what they've been taught or, or preached about. It's all been about bring your offerings in, sow a seed, you'll be blessed. Or it's been, or it's been, never mind. My wife and I learned some, something so important as many of you probably already have learned. This will help you in your marriage. It will help you in raising kids. It will help you on your job. It will help you in your relationship. It will help you in every area of your life. And that is to learn to discern truth versus lies. Learn truth versus lies. Whenever there is a conflict between children, nine out of ten times it was because there was a conflict going on within one of them. You would have to uncover and unpack the lie that they were believing about themselves that caused them to get ugly to their sibling and cause all kinds of trouble in the home. I want you to understand this. I'm making a point here. Point one, holding on to God's word causes us to stand out. You are going to be different. When you hold on to truth, you're going to stand out. When you hold on to truth, you're going to be different. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be tested in many different ways. The Word of God in John 17, 17 said, Jesus prayed this prayer to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. The Word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart. Set apart. So if I walk around with a cigarette in my mouth and I proclaim the gospel, am I set apart? If I'm sitting at the bar stool in the bar, pounding brewskis, taking shots, Jack Daniels, am I set apart? Why am I not set apart? Because they're doing it. Anything that alters the mind, anything that alters the mind, anything that affects the temple, right? 
does not cause me to be set apart. Now, I know we have medicinal need for medicines, and so I'm not talking about those things. What I'm talking about is recreational drugs. We're talking about recreational alcohol. We're talking about foul mouth. We're talking about uh, looking at, if you're a male and you look at women uh, and you're married uh, and you profess Christ, uh, we're talking about that kind of stuff. And you're a woman and, and we're talking about you now and, and you profess Christ and you look at men and look them up and down and you, you, you openly uh, talk about them, things like that. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. That's how you, when you're not, when you're, and when someone that is sitting beside you and you are a Christian and you are walking in the values of Christ and someone goes, man, she looked fine. You just shut them down. Look, you're married. Right? If they're married, you're married. What's wrong with you? You're not going to, it's not going to be, you're going to be set apart. You're going to be a set apart. You're not going to be loved because of some of the thoughts and, and, and that the, the truth causes you to have. Right? The values that the Word of God causes us to have. It's that you're going to be set apart. Here is my question for you. Why do you want to fit in where you're called to stand out? I'll say it again. Why do you want to fit in when you're called to stand out? Here's what I believe in these last days. There are people that want to see someone or find someone that knows truth. There are people standing in pulpits long enough that have not been preaching truth in all denominations. And they need someone that will lead them to truth. Yeah. Amen. Living the word is what sets you apart from others. You live according to a different playbook. You follow a different leader. You listen to a different master. You li your life looks different from others simply because of the word trans that transforms you. You speak different. You act different. Your outlook on life is different. You know, I'm watching people right now. They're all worried about everything going on in this world, and, and the, the world is not affecting me. Right? All these political people are calling for a, there is going to be some kind of a crash. This crash is not going to affect me. Or at least mentally it's not going to affect me. Let me say that. It may take my home. It may take my cars. It may take some, it may take, I don't know what it may take. But whatever the crash does, they can't take what is most valuable to me which is the power and the glory of the Holy Ghost that lives within me that keeps my mind stayed on Him. It's going to be the folks that have not had their relationship rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, rooted in the power and the glory of God, connected to the Holy Ghost, that when everything begins to crumble. That's why the church had better be ready to trust the Word of God. You had better be able to walk in it that when they come all frantic and they're like, oh, dear God, what are we going to do? Be still and know that he is Lord. Hold on to his unchanging hand. He doesn't change. The world is what's in trouble, not God's people. Hold on to God's word. Trust his word. I believe you're healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I believe you're healed. 
got to come to a place that though the doctor says something, I still believe God's word. He says that these signs shall follow them that believe. I believe his word. I believe the signs are in us. I believe we must hold to those signs and those wonders. I believe speaking life and not death. I believe speaking healing and not sickness. When you have no career, I believe in speaking a career in Jesus' name. I'm not a name it, claim it kind of man, but I'm a calm type of person. That my, my faith is in the word of God. My faith and my trust is in him. And if you get the job, if you get healed, who gets the glory? He gets the glory. There's nothing different in me than in you. You have the same power to walk in the same authority, the same method of speaking healing or job provision in Jesus' name. You have the same authority that I have in his name. We just don't walk in it. We don't walk in it. We need to walk in his authority, walk in his power, trust his word. Amen. So that when he does come back, he says, these, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I see that you've done well with the least of these things. You've held on to the word of God. You held on and trust the power of God. You, you hung on to your relationship with me. Well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. There's transcendence about us. You seem to love people more than the average person. You seem to really care about people. You're not moved or motivated by anyone of this world. You have peace in your eyes. This is what the church should have. Amen. The church should be able to love people regardless of their lifestyles, regardless of who they look like and what they look like, regardless if they change from male to female and from female to male. We need to love them because Christ still loves them. I know it cut, may cut against all your spirituality. But my word said that when he went to the cross, he went to the cross for all mankind. The very same sin that caused someone to change their gender has the ability to be forgiven by the blood that was shed on Calvary if they asked for it. I want to make another point here. Hold on to God's word allows us to see it come to pass. If you will hold on to God's word, I, I can't encourage you enough. We've had so, as children of God, as a church, we've been bombarded with so much. So much with COVID, so much with the Omicron, so much with uh, masks, so much with uh, we can't buy now unless we've had all our shots. And it's almost like having a pet. That you can't take it to a, take it out in the public unless it's had all its shots. Why do you do what you? Why do you? What? Excuse me. What do you do when your circumstances seem to contradict the word of God? Mm. Amen. Yet yeah, hold on. More specifically, your prayer, your praying, your believing, your coming to church, but you don't see any results. You're not seeing the promises of God coming to pass. 
perfect example of this is the story of Abraham and Sarah. God called a man named Abraham out, of, out from his hometown to go to a place that the Lord would show him and, and to be the father of many nations. By faith he went, but Abraham didn't have any children. Abraham was well advanced in years and about 75 at the time that God called him. He was 99 when the promise of Isaac came to full fruition. His wife, although 90 years old, was past childbearing ages. Did you hear, do you ever feel like if I was God, I would have taken care of this a long time ago? Especially when it comes to the things that you are waiting for, right? I would have already healed that, or I would have already fixed that. I would have put that marriage back together. I'd, I'd, I'd have brought that son or that daughter out of uh, out of drugs. I, I would have I would have I would have brought that one out of that lifestyle. I would have I would have done this and I would have done that. That's why we're not God. God's timing is perfect. I'm finding God's timing is perfect. Romans four seventeen says, as it is written. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as they did. Verse 18 said, who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your de descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not ever, he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. The church has to be fully convinced. The saints have to be fully convinced. He was holding firmly to the promises of God. At some point, the church has to begin to hold to the promises of the Word of God. At some point, the church has to hold to God's Word. At some point, the church has to start praying the Word over our family. At some point, the church has to take the Word and begin to use it to fight the demonic spirits of this world. The devil's trying to destroy the church. The devil's trying to distract the church. The devil's trying to break down the very trust that you and I have in the Word of God. How many times have you wanted to just give up on waiting on the Lord? How many times did you want to give up on waiting on the promises of God? If I would have given up, let me tell you something. I don't even know how long ago it was. Went to a church and a man of God prophesied. I don't even know how long I've been pastor. Not long. Maybe five years. Three years. Man of God prophesied, said, your ministry is going to come to full fruition. Springtime. And I jumped up. It was February. I was like, Woo! Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, this is February, March. I only got April and May. Woo! Springtime is just around the corner. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see signs and wonders. 
The church is going to be busting out. We're going to have three and four services at a time. We're going to have to break that wall out, tear the roof off, and go out another 30 feet that way just to fit in here another 400 people. Springtime came. I'm like, whoo, baby. They're coming in. They're coming in. Never came in. What if I'd have quit serving God? What if I'd have gotten lost in the prophesy? Right? What if I'd have let the prophecy destroy me? What if I'd have let someone that said something get me sidetracked? Right? Many people get sidetracked, uh, people speaking into their lives, and they lose out because they didn't stay the course. They didn't stay where they were to be, to be to, in safety. They just listened to somebody speaking into their lives, and they just went, oh, yeah. I wish that promise had come. There are a lot of things go through my head if that promise had come. Where would the church be today? What would the church look like today? A whole kinds of things, right? Different leadership. More Bible studies being given. Daughter works being started. If we come out of covenant with God, we may miss the, whole, miss the opportunity of seeing God's word come to full fruition in our lives if we come out of the covenant. From the story of Abraham, we can learn how we can hold on to God's word. In Genesis 15, 1, it says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be a very great one. But Abraham said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And no, excuse me, and a member, no offspring, and, no, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur, uh, Ur uh, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid down each half over against the other. And he, said, he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came, I'm reading out of the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham, or Abram drove them away. How are we to know that God's word will come to pass? How are you to know that God's word is going to come to pass? It is found in verse 9. Bring me the heifer. 
God is a covenant-keeping God. Second Timothy two thirteen. If we are faithless, He remains faith. If if we are faithless, He remains faithful, uh, for He cannot deny Himself. So listen. If you're faithless, He's still faithful. His word's not going to change just because you're faithless or because you're not faithful. His word doesn't change. His word stays the same. We've got to get a hold of the truth. We've got to hold to the word of God. We've got to walk in the word. We've got to live the word out. There's a lot of people knowing the word. They can read the word, but they don't walk the word. We can ask the same question that Abraham asked. How are we to know that you will do what you said you would do? Because God has called a covenant. If we're in a covenant with God, God's going to do what he said he would do. God became a man. God would take a human flesh to become the very sacrifice by which his covenant with us would be made. Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus the Lamb, listen, Jesus the Lamb slain became our substitute so that we could come into right relationship with him and receive all that he had promised in his word to us. How do you know that? What are some of the promises of God? One is 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Watch what he says in salva- in, uh, about salvation in Acts 2.38. The promise of the Holy Ghost was given to give us eternal life that, and an inheritance to the kingdom of God. He said, repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. That's a promise. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. Here's what he said in, in John 3.16 and Matthew 20, uh, 25.34 the key to give us eternal life and an inheritance to the kingdom of God. You can write, read these, you can look these scriptures up. In John 14, 1 through 3, I'm paraphrasing them, is to prepare a place for us in heaven. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, uh, to raise our bodies from the grave. Uh, in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, meaning we are waiting for, to make it into the kingdom of God. Amen? And, and here's another promise. He went to prepare a place for us. Uh, in Matthew 28, 20, never to leave us for, or forsake us. Here's another promise out of Philippians 4, 19 and Matthew 6, 33, to provide for our needs in James 5, 13 through 16, to heal our bodies in Psalms 32, 8, to guide us, amen, uh, in, in, in Colossians 1, 13, Ephesians 6, 10 through 8, I'm paraphrasing it, to deliver us from Satan's power. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says, to answer our prayers of faith in accordance with his will, will excuse me, uh, Ephesians 1, 5, to adopt us as his children. These are promises. Amen, these are promises. He can't go back on that. We must trust 
his word. We must hold on to his word. We must believe his word in Ephesians 1, 5 to adopt us as his children. In Hebrews eleven six 6, to reward us for serving and obeying him. Here's what 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says. In the Amplified, it says it like this. For as many are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him, we say our amen to the glory of God. Here's what it says in the English, uh, English Standard Version. Uh, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Everything he does, he's going to get glory. Everything that comes to full fruition in our lives, he's going to get glory. I can't, re I can't receive any glory. Anything that goes on in me or gets any, uh, or, or any good thing that I do, he gets all the glory because I'm not worthy to get glory. You see, we have been given great and precious promises from God, God's word, and we have given our lives as a sacrifice un, unto, unto the Lord. There is an attack, though. There is an attack on our lives. The devil's trying to attack our lives so that God cannot be who he wants to be to us. The promise comes with faith. All God's promises come with faith and patience. So you must fight off the lies that Satan tries to bring into your mind. There's a lot of lies that, that come into our mind. The prince of power of the air wants to discourage us. He wants to tempt us and cause us to give up the fight, the good fight of faith. You see, the enemy wants us to believe the lies that the promises are not yes and amen to God's, to God's people. The enemy wants you to be discouraged. The enemy wants you to accept what man says. The enemy wants you to receive what man says. No, the enemy doesn't want you to receive what God says. See, the enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy doesn't want to go to hell by himself, so he wants us to go with him. He wants to take as many of us with him as he can so he can look at God and go, see, God? Look at your faithful people. Look at your faithful people that don't pray no more. Look at your faithful people, and this is the end of the fast. It broke. Uh, but, but look at your people. They don't pray. They don't invite nobody to church. They're not disciple makers. Look at them. They don't fear you. They don't even believe there's a hell. They're not even trying to get people not to come to my place, my house. They're caught up. You might give me COVID. You might give me COVID. Oh, if you ain't got it, he got that. Don't talk to him. They got them no kind of mask. You know, the very young man that died for whatever reason, my neighbor, back in the midsummer, called me. I don't know why I was home other than God made me be home. Called me. He said, man, I need to get to the hospital. I'm too weak to drive. I, I, I'm, 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 in, I'm sick, right? And I'm going, hmm, he's sick, he don't, he's weak. All these things going through your head, you know, because everybody was pushing COVID this, COVID that, you know, all these ailments and all these things to watch for. Neighbor needs help, I'm going to go get him. Gets in the car, dude can't breathe, he's like, 
I said, you know, God is alive. God's able to heal you. I don't know what's going on with you. I said, but David, God is able to heal you. That's all I said. I didn't, I didn't do anything major. I didn't go crazy. I drove him all the way to the emergency room. He said, I'm not going to get out. I can't get out of the car. I said, hold on. I'm, I went and got a wheelchair, helped him get out of the car, put him in the wheelchair, and, and rolled him right on up into the, into the hospital. Went home, didn't see him for a couple days, probably four days, five days, something like that. When I finally saw him, all he could tell me, all he would tell me was he had a blood disorder. Right? But if I would have been like, oh, no, you better call 911. You know, they're, they're well equipped for whatever you might have. But I said in the name of Jesus, this is what I said before I got, right before I got over to his house. I said, God, whatever he got, I need you to just protect me. If it's anything that could harm me, protect me. This is about you. This isn't about me. I went over and got him, but, and I never once got sick. So whatever it was, whatever it was, maybe it wasn't transmittable or whatever, or, or the covering of the Lord was on his disciple. Amen? We need to walk in truth. We need to believe the truth. We need to obey the truth. We need to hold on to the truth. We need to understand that God's word is coming to full fruition. The fight is actually the assurance the promises are coming. Faith is a fight, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is done, and the enemy cannot steal it. The Holy Spirit guards in the Word, in uh, the Word in us, in 2 Timothy 1, 2. I'm about ready to run out of minutes here. Second Timothy 1, 12 which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day, what, uh, till that day, until that day, what has been entrusted to me. Now, I don't know, uh, is that the Amplified? I'm going to read it in the Amplified back there if I can. It says, this is why I suffer as I do. Still, I am not ashamed, for I know him and I am personally acquainted with him whom I have believed with absolute trust. Hear that word? Trust and confidence in him and in the truth of the deity. And I am persuaded beyond any doubt that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day when I stand before him. Guard, we must guard. Keep your eye upon him. Stay in touch with him. Here's what the word of God, the word guard in the Greek is the same word in Luke 11:28, through 28. It says, while I'm closing right now, while he was saying these things, some woman lifted up her voice above the murmur of the crowd. Blessed the wound that carried you and the breast of that at that at which you nursed. Jesus commented, even more blessed are those who hear God's word and guard it with their lives. The King James says it like this. 
And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the wound that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it, guard it. Point three I want to make to you is holding on to God's word equips us for life. Equips you for life. We must hold on to the things that we have learned. Many of you have come up under our bishop and many have left that came up. They've not held on to what they learned under bishop. There are those that sit under my voice that have left since I, my voice has been the pastor here that have left. They've not adhered to what has been said from the platform. 2 Timothy 3.14 said in the New King James, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the, that the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Amplified says it like this. But as for you, stand with me. But as for you, continue in the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, holding tightly to the truths, knowing from whom you learned them and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the Hebrew scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, surrendering your entire self to him and having absolute confidence in his wisdom, power, and goodness. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction, of error and restoration to obedience for training in righteousness learning to live in formity to God's will both publicly and privately behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage so that the man of God may be complete and proficient outfitted and thoroughly equipped for the for every good work I pray, I want to lift up holy hands before God. I don't know what, what's left for me in life. I don't know how long I've got left here on this earth. But what I do know is Jesus is coming back. I know this, that God is looking for people that are called by his name. He's looking for people that have made a commitment to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's looking for people that says, this world does not cause me to be worried because my faith and my trust is in the word of God. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Lord, I need you to help me 
so that my mind can continue to trust in your word. I'm not exempt of not, of not having those moments. When I preach to you, I preach to myself. It's, you don't, may not realize that, but most of the time, it's all of us are getting preached to, including me. I've got to come to a place. I, I remember, you know, I go back to the day that um, Brother McCauley and Sister McCauley and I were sitting at the dining room table. My wife was working. She was at the office, and we were in the Bible study or just beginning the Bible study. She calls me and says, the house, the insurance company has dropped the house. They're no, it's no longer insured. It's going to burn up. Everything we got in there is going to just burn up. We just spent... $25,000 of supplies are in the house, Alan. It's going to burn up. I just know it because we have no insurance. I mean, a little bit more frantic than that, but I'm just kind of relaying to you. I'm sitting in front of Brother McCauley and Sister McCauley, and, and I don't know. It had to be Jesus because, you know, at that moment, I, I just said, well, it's going to be all right. And they could hear her over the phone. That's how... You know, she was ecstatic, right? I said, I don't know how God's going to work it out, but God's going to work it out. I say that, and that what I actually said. Amen. Because I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I was going to finish my Bible study. Because I was doing, I was there to do God's work. I wasn't, right? I already had placed that back in God's hands when I said, God's going to take care of it. I don't know how, but God will take care of it. Brother McCauley said, but I think you better go. I think you ought to go and make sure she's going to be all right. I said, okay. Right? Because in me, it was not about, I could care less about the house. To be honest with you, I could care less about the house. The property, the house, the furniture, everything. None of that. It all belongs to God. And in my mind, that's who it belonged to. That's why I said it's going to be all right. Right? It don't belong to me. I'm just a caretaker right now. If we get to the place that we understand that everything that we have has been given to us by Jesus, that we have been entrusted with it, we need to be trustworthy to take care of it and put it back in his hands and walk by faith and believe his word and be what we need to be to this world and this kingdom of people. People need Jesus today. They need to see Jesus in people that do not get crazy about the way things are going. That don't get distracted with everything that's going on around them. I'm not saying that doctors saying things cannot distract you. I'm not, even, I'm not even going there because it will distract me when it comes. And I don't know how I'll deal with it. I'm just telling you, I'm being real. I pray that I can say just like I did about the house. It's okay. God will take care of it. That's what I pray I can do. Right? I pray I can do that. But what I know today is there are things that we are allowing to, to kind of distract our trust in him that have, not, and I'm not talking about health issues, I'm talking about spiritual things, things in this world, things in our family, things in our children, things in our, uh, things in people that walked away from God months, years ago. Those things distract us and cause us to get confused and wonder why. And I'm telling you, most of it's distraction they got into. 
The Bible tells you to stay, stay the course. You don't just walk away. Not until God actually tells you that it's time to walk. And then it's confirmed by two or three. Problem is, we don't, we don't, we don't obey the word of God. Because we don't want you to go, no, that was not God's will. You need to sit right where you are. You need to stay in the ministry you're in. You need to do what you're doing because that was not God's will. But it is my will. And we absurd and energize our will because it feels better. It's simpler. I don't, have to, I don't have to be committed. I don't have to be under demand. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the things that are going on. And I'll tell you, Jesus is coming back. I don't know the day nor the hour. I may not, I may, I may leave this world and not see his coming. Or I may get to see his coming. Either way, either way, I want this old boy to be ready spiritually, mentally, and physically for when he returns. I want him to come back. When he comes back, I want him to say, you know what? He has trusted my word. There have been days that he had some ups and downs, some valleys and some mountain walks, and, but he trusted, he trusted, he trusted. Every time he got back up, he just went back to trusting God. Every time he got knocked down, he got back up and he went back to trusting God. I'm not saying I don't get knocked down. I'm, not, I'm no different than you. Anybody puts me on a pedestal, you've messed up. You will fail, God, because I'm no better than you. The difference is, is I get back up, brush the dust off my pants and my, and my feet, and I ask for forgiveness, and I get back up, and I get back in there, and I say, God, I got to trust you. God, I got to make it. I, 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 we got we to see people saved. We got, we got people that need you. There's people that are waiting to have a Bible study today that are waiting for you to say, would you like a Bible study? I don't know what this message means to you. I can tell you it means a lot to me. Because sometimes my mind can be twisted. You know, I wonder why I was the one that had to go find him dead. Right, my neighbor. The neighbor that called me should have been the one that found him. But he didn't want to go. So he called me. I don't know why, right? There's a purpose. For whatever reason, there's things that are going to happen to you that you don't really understand the full meaning, understand it, know why it's being done. But God is doing some things in the church. And there are great things about to happen. I don't look at what it looks like here today because it could change tomorrow. But the one that I have my trust in is in Jesus Christ. That's who I trust. I'm going to open the altar right now because in our family, in our, our community, the only one that I can trust in is Jesus. He's the one to never leave. His word said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
He said, I'll stick closer to you than a friend. You will think we are Siamese by the hip. That's how Jesus is. Jesus said, I'll stick closer to you. Where you go, I'll go. Yeah, we're trying to move, right? He said, wherever you go, I'm going with you. I'm not leaving you. It's when you release yourself and say, I'm going to walk this walk by myself that we get in trouble. A lot of this, that's what, walking with Jesus is so important. Making right decisions and going to God about the decision and saying, God, is it your will? Is it really your will? Lord, I'll tarry and I'll wait. Sarah didn't wait. Sarah didn't wait. See, Sarah said, oh, no, you can have my handmaiden because she didn't wait on God. What happened because she didn't wait on God? It created a whole nother scenario for us. And then she had the nerve to laugh when God said she would carry a child. There is going to be some birthing going on in this church, and I don't, I'm not saying it will be natural birth, but it's going to be spiritual birth in Jesus' name. There are people coming that are going to want to know the truth that we have. And they're going to want to see people that walk in that truth, that believe that truth today. Maybe you just want to come. I'm opening the altar. Maybe you just want to come and just say, Lord, you know, let me receive the truth. Let me receive the word of God so that I may hold to your truth, that I may not waver. That I not become like a ship to, tossed to and fro in the waves of life. Because you can come. You can come and we can get into a place where we're tossed and turned by the waves of life. I was watching the tsunami waves. How destructive those tsunami waves were. There was nothing that con could control the waves. They came out of the banks, over the banks. Houses couldn't stand. Boats were shoved down the river under bridges. Nothing could be held back from the power of the water. So much like Satan coming in as a tsunami in our lives. The tsunami hits. It breaks marriages. It breaks relationships. It, it, it breaks our walk with God. It breaks our commitment to the Word. It breaks our fellowship with Him because there's no more boundaries. Worship with us. Those of you that are online, I'd ask you to get down at a chair, maybe an a, a, a ornament or a coffee table. I want you to begin to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord. We need to trust his word and trust him in Jesus' name. God bless you. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, the faithful promises.
Okay.